Morning, everybody. Welcome to Mendocino County Fire Safe Radio. I'm Scott Craddy, Executive Director, and um, a reminder that our mission is to inform, empower, and mobilize county residents to survive and thrive in a wildfire-prone environment. Um, this show was originally intended to uh, kind of announce some new programs, which turn out to not quite be ready yet, and also to recap uh what uh what we've done before so it's going to be a little bit of a greatest hit show uh we have trisha austin from cal fire back with us so a greatest hits guest that we'll uh, be going through things in a moment with um but as far as a recap i just wanted to say that recapping is also super important and exciting um you know there's the, the popular sort of rule of seven that uh, is kind of a just a buzz thing that says you need to hear things seven times before they they sink in uh which is probably an understatement i just saw an article that said you know political ads are uh, uh unless they're unless somebody is exposed to them 10 times they're not at all effective and I uh, saw another Microsoft study this morning that says audio messages need to be heard at least six to 20 times uh, before they begin to be useful. So the hope of this show is that this is the, the magical number of times that you need to hear what you're about to hear to take some action to get ready for this wildfire season. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a repeat, but it's super important repeat because, um, you know, because whatever the magical number is for you, now's the time to start doing work to get prepared. Uh, and we'll uh, find out a little bit about why that is. But if it wasn't always wildfire season now, um, it, it certainly is now. Um, and with that, I'm going to bring Trish in. Trish, you need to yeah, unmute. Cool. Uh, and let's just start off with, um, it's been a while since you've been with us. So I'd like to sort of touch base again and see if you can give us a little bit about what brought you to this work and what keeps you interested in it. Um, well, my name is Trisha Austin, Fire Prevention Specialist for Cal Fire Mendocino Unit. And I also act as a public information officer, as well as supporting our law enforcement office here in Mendocino. Um, been with CAL FIRE since 2008, worked for the County of Lake prior to that doing emergency preparedness, and then came to the response side of things um, as a dispatcher in 2008, and then transitioned to fire prevention specialist in 2017. So been with CAL FIRE um, about 14 years. And uh, just always almost always had a job of service and just wanted to be that voice in midst of someone's most traumatic moment when they call 911 to bring calm to the chaos and get the right resource to the right location in a timely manner and then moving to prevention um, to be able to coordinate events and education for children and Council youth fire setters, children that set fires, um, and just contribute in that way to educating the public and uh, and working in the community. Great, thank you. Um, before we get into the sort of basics for being ready, since there's so much going on at the Cal Fire unit up there now, just want to spend a little time catching people up. Um, I guess we can start with, I mean, so fire season's already happening. A couple incidents already uh, just this weekend, correct? Um, we had the Tom Kai fire 
um, which was uh, Redwood Valley, and it was 18 acres, um, and it is 100% contained. They will spend time over the next three days um, patrolling it periodically just to make sure everything's if there's no internal smokes or anything like that. So they will continue to monitor that. And then Potter Valley Fire had a nine-acre fire, um, the mid-fire, um, that we assisted them with, but it was in their jurisdiction. So um, that's something that seems confusing to people is the different jurisdictions. So Cal Fire is SRA, or state responsibility area. Your local fire department, like Ukiah Fire, is LRA, or local responsibility area, and those are geographical areas. And then you have FRA, which is the federal responsibility area, like Mendocino National Forest is a fed responsibility area. And then we have BIA, so Bureau of Indian Affairs. So that's Native American lands. Um, so that's some of the different jurisdictional boundaries as far as fire, um, but there's many other jurisdictions and agencies that play different parts. Right. And if I, maybe I don't understand it correctly, but if I do, sort of that means, you know, so someone can Google those terms, SLA, uh, and see SLA. the areas. Yeah, mm -hmm. sorry, sorry. And uh, sort of see where they are. But is that sort of the main meaning of that, that the, that defines the agency that's going to sort of take the lead if something happens there, at least initially, but then, you know, obviously as needed, the other agencies are going to come in and help. Um, as requested. As so requested. we don't just automatically go to a local government's unless we have an agreement. So there are agreements that supersede that, like a, a local department might enter in a contract and pay CAL FIRE to respond or in some counties, the CAL FIRE and the local agency act as one. Depends on how these contracts are in different areas. Um, in our unit, um, we have the local government agencies and then CAL FIRE, so they would request aid from us. And then there's certain types of fires that we, or um, incidents that we automatically respond to. And then there are special contracts. So there's a lot of different components and meeting different agencies' needs. And then um, in this unit, CAL FIRE contracts with local government for dispatch services as well. So if you call 911 in Mendocino County or any county, you're first going to go to law enforcement. That law enforcement agency could be a local police department, it could be the sheriff's office, or it could be CHP depending on where you're located and how it's contracted. They take the call, and if you say it's a fire or a medical emergency in Mendocino County, it will come to CAL FIRE dispatch, except for in Willits. So PD dispatches fire department in Willits, but CAL FIRE dispatches the ambulance in Willits. So we contract for those services. So. There's a lot of different components and and depending on contracting in different units, in different areas, in different cities, depending on how that works. But when you call 911, you're always getting law enforcement first. And they determine if it's a law enforcement issue 
and if it if they contract for medical and fire then they'll go ahead and continue the call if not they'll transfer to you to a secondary um, public safety answering point which is what we are what we act as in this unit oh it's complicated but <laughs> it, it is it is and it's different in different areas and and how they've decided to um contract who's taking the responsibility cool um i guess i'd like to shift a little bit more about what the unit's doing to get ready for this season and um the first part i'm not sure if this is an area that um you may or may not have information on but i know there's been a lot of work doing vegetation management to get ready for the season and some some big projects that the unit was coordinating can you give us um any any kind of overview of some of some of what that activity has been um so our activities were suspended because of the fire activity and the amount of dry vegetation that we're experiencing i mean you can look around and see that this isn't the typical april and you can look at Lake Mendocino and see that the water's not there that we usually see in the lake or in the Russian River. So activities, um, as far as burning, we've concluded that that's not going to continue. Um, but we did have the Corson VMP, which is near Ukiah, that they were able to complete. Um, and then we also had one in Yorkville that they were able to complete this year. Um, we had one plan for here at Howard Forest. Um, they weren't able to complete that due to some birds that were nesting in the area. And now it's just not prudent to move forward with that. And they did um, a burn on Jackson Demonstration State Forest as part of um, a vegetation management project there. Um, there are a lot of other um, smaller vegetation management projects that, that didn't include fire. Um, but machinery and hand crews um, that they've worked on some smaller stuff around the unit. Okay. Um, and there's also, as I understand it, so the budget is um, is got a lot going on this year. It's a fair fair bit of fair bit of attention to growth for fire management work. Um, I understand the unit's been staffing up. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there with the with uh, the sort of the personnel side of getting ready for this year? Yeah, um, so usually we can hire about 120 firefighters, and this year we're at like 220 firefighters. Well, and other personnel. That includes other personnel. So um, cooks, engineers, um, additional crews for um, doing hand crew work. Um, we're down on the inmate crews. We went from 12 between two camps to two um, inmate crews. So now we're able to contract um, using that funding for CCC crews, California Conservation Corps, um, as well as augmenting a National Guard crew that was already in the unit since the August complex last year. And then to hire additional, I think it was um, additional 80 firefighters for, for additional hand crews. But there are a million people standing behind that firefighter. So it also allows us to hire things like cooks to make sure that they get fed, um, a personnel specialist to make sure they get paid, um, additional someone to help with mapping during incidents, um, all those different positions are, are also being hired to support 
that field work. It's like got to be incredible logistics and a lot of new people, which means like a lot of new training. Um, so Yeah, so firefighter refresher training, um, incident with an incident, so someone be injured on a fire and how the special care that it takes to rescue a rescuer because the amount of gear they have on them and things like that, um, structure protection, um, basic medical, basic firefighting skills. We just have, you know, this revolution of classes that go through um, refreshers for existing new refreshers and new people coming on, um, tree falling, um, everything you can think of. We're always training and, and going through those cycles. So when it's not peak burning time where we're actively fighting fires, we're always training. Thanks. Probably time to move on to uh, to getting people ready. So, um, you know, for me, there's sort of two big buckets of things. There's the uh, there's the be ready, which covers the Cal Fire Ready Set Go, including home hardening and defensible space, which we'll get to in a moment. But maybe an equally big bucket in my mind is making sure you don't start the next fire, since um, since by 90 odd percent of the fires that um, the wildfires that we end up fighting that um, endanger all our lives and property are fires that we humans started in the first place. Um, so I'd like to move through some of that. So the, one of the biggest favors we can do for ourselves is to don't do things that start fires. Um, the, um, and I have some stats that, that uh, we've run through before. I think these are the statistics from 2020 from the, the Mendocino unit about causes of fires. Um, hopefully the first one everybody knows to not do anymore. Uh, but the uh, number one cause with 28% of the wildfire starts in 2020 was debris burning. Um, and we're just going to sort of briefly touch, as I understand it, burn pits, burn permits are, are suspended now, correct? Is that? So burn permits were suspended May 17th of 2021 um, okay. due to the current conditions that we're experiencing. It's just too dry and the winds that we're experiencing and the lack of water, um, that's clear. Um, anybody can drive down the highway and down the roads and, and see what we're, that it's not a usual May. So April showers didn't bring May flowers uh, this year. So it did. Right. Yeah. So no, and and debris fires are um, one of our top starts. Um, burning larger piles than the four by four allowed. Um, not staying in attendance, um, and not doing the appropriate clearance around the pile, um, are some of the common reasons that these debris piles are escaping in Mendocino unit. Um. A big one that I've seen too is people believe that their pile is out. They leave the pile and then a few days later, the wind whips up and the pile gets going again. It's unattended and it spreads into the vegetation and, and becomes a wildland fire. So make sure the debris fires are dead out when you're ready to leave them. 
time. So, and at this point, this is sort of education for the for once we're out of this season. Uh, but the message for now is, even if you think you're prepared don't to manage burn. the pile, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not allowing burning at this point. So, no debris burning at this point. But yes, for future reference, yeah. and for um, I think that you um, did you want to go over burn permits because I mean they can get them anytime. They just can't utilize them right now. We can skip that for now. Okay. Yeah, just, just don't even think about it right now. That, that'd be my message. Off off the table. Not something yeah. we're doing. <laughs> yep. Um, and the next one, which was a surprise to a lot of people, and I think it was, uh, you know, hopefully unique to uh, unique to 2020, or hopefully we're not going to repeat it. But in 2020, the next biggest item was arson, uh, which I think was a spate in Ukiah Valley with... Uh, that was 13% of the total starts, though. And something you said earlier actually um, jumped to mind with that, which is, you know, I mean, A, for arsenite, probably the biggest thing is to report suspicious activity. So if you see something so that we, if there is somebody out there doing arson, that they are found and stopped as quickly as possible. That's what occurs to me. Uh, but you also mentioned that you do youth counseling um, related to that. And um, I'm Wondering if you can give us a little bit about, you know, what it, what it is, how you work with people that, that have started fire, and what you know, what what helps what what helps um, get them to stop that. So um, I've been in this position since 2017, um, and I haven't had a youth fire setter in my unit, um, okay. but our unit joined a coalition, North Bay Youth Fire Setters Coalition. Um, based out of Santa Rosa, so it's multiple units working together. And um, the coalition put together everything from interviewing the parents and the child, because the parent does bear responsibility for the child's actions under the age of 18. And then we divide um, those age groups up into what they can understand. And so we do, um, as a group, we can call on our partners in the coalition um, to do intake with the parent and child in unit. Um, and then we can make recommendations. Um, we can recommend that the child be referred to youth authority, that we don't feel that there's someone we can assist, or we can refer them to maybe just a little bit of a program in the unit, or we can recommend that they go to academy. So the Youth Fire Setter Coalition puts on an academy twice a year. Um, so far, we were able to do one because COVID kind of stopped that. Um, and those academies are available in Sacramento. There's two a year there. Reading, there's two a year there. And um, now in Santa Rosa, there'll be two there per year. And what that program is, is a three-day, two to three-day program that the kids and their parents need to attend. Um, and this is an alternative to youth authority um, referral. Um, so they would come to these um, classes. They would be, the kids would be talking to youth authority. They'd be talking to firefighters and they'd be talking to burn victims. So um, these presentations go on. The kids are given homework um, and required to attend these classes as well as participate in them. Um, and the hope is to educate them on all the different aspects of what fire starting behavior means, means to the victim, means to um, 
and what would happen if they went down the wrong path and and continued and had to deal with youth authority and then how it would affect their adult life and all those different components. So that's what the academy entails. That's um, great. Yeah. So that's part of what I do as a fire prevention specialist. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but all. Um, as far as um, if you observe someone um, setting a fire, it's important to observe and not engage um, with the individual in case you don't want to put yourself in a situation of danger. Um, so calling 911. And then um, if you're observing, you want to observe details. What kind of vehicle? What's the license plate number? What does this person look like? What direction did they go? How many people were in the vehicle? Um, those types of details. Um, we actually did have um, a person come forward in the Willits area and she um, played a major part in us being able to um, arrest an arsonist. And um, she observed him, called 911, um, called the arson hotline, and they were able to, she was able to observe enough of what direction he went. And then they were able to pull from additional cameras upon the path that he drove and um, and gather evidence that way in the in video evidence to present as well as her testimony. Um, and not to, you know, glorify it or anything, but she did get a $10,000 award. For, for all of that um, gathering of information and reporting. Um, and there is an anonymous hotline if someone doesn't want to be involved um, and they just want to call, they can. And it is 1-800-468-4408. And that's 1-800-468-4408 for the arson hotline. That's great information. Again, yeah, the, um, the uh, and a great illustration of how somebody being observant and uh, can pay off for the whole community. So, yes, thanks. Um, moving down the list, and now we're getting to the ones that are uh, probably super relevant at the moment. Again, because hopefully nobody's burning, and hopefully we don't have any arsonists around. Fingers crossed. Uh, but vehicles are, are the next big one on the list uh, from dragging change to catalytical, catalytic converter issues to maintenance issues. Um, what, can, what, what advice can you give folks about how, how to make sure their vehicle's not starting the next fire? So since we're along a highway, um, have a lot of highway, highways going through our unit, it's a common start for us. And our most common start is dragging chains. So from boats, trailers, whatever, that's a very common start. So if you hear, oh, there's a spot in Redwood Valley, oh, there's a spot um, now in Ukiah, Lake Mendo, and then there's a spot in the median in by the winery, and oh, now there's a spot by Hopland, that's probably somebody dragging a chain. And in their wake, they're sparking and starting these fires along the roadside. So that's a very common start for us is dragging chains. Um, another is um, tires. So uh, if they're not maintaining their tires and the tire goes out and they're driving, say, on the rim or they're driving 
um, and pieces of the tire are flying off and into the vegetation. So the grape fire that was there in Ukiah just on the edge by Hoplin was caused by a tire shredding um, or an electrical malfunction. So like the grade fire, um, vehicle started on fire and then started the vegetation on fire. So mechanical malfunction of vehicles, dragging chains, um, just making sure that your vehicle's well-maintained um, is key and making sure your tires are in good condition so that you wouldn't be the cause of a fire. Yep, and uh, parking your hot vehicle in the tall grass, another good one. Um, um, in terms of um, if you're driving down the highway and you see a chain dragging and sparks flying, what do you do? Is that a 911 call or how do you, how do you, you drive alongside them and point? <laughs> That's the best <laughs> so the I have actually tried that and uh, yeah. was not successful. Um, I think they thought I was waving at them. Right. <laughs> so I think that you have to make a judgment. If you're seeing sparks flying off of them, then a 911 call I think is appropriate um, to let CHP know that they're dragging and potentially starting a fire because, you know, that could turn into a hundred acre fire. So as it did in the grape incident. So, yeah, I think that that's reasonable um, to call um, and let them know that, yeah, somebody's dragging a chain, it's sparking, I, it's gonna, I'm afraid it's going to start a fire. So I think that's okay. Um, what it's worth, if you've, if you've got loose chains, I know a gentleman in town, Steve Henderson, has a crusade to have people sort of have covers for their chains with um, old fire hose or uh, whatever. So um, also not a bad idea if, it's, if, it's, uh, if there's no point in risking it when you don't need to. Um, next one, which is probably, well, actually the next one on the list is lightning. And that is certainly probably the scariest thing that can happen at the moment, our lightning storms passing through. Um, and, you know, other than, I know one of the big things is to, there's a, some apps that have good alerts for lightning strikes where people can then follow up and see if there's anything. So incidents can get reported early if there are any. Um, so that's a way the public can sort of participate if there if there is the danger of lightning in the area. Are there other other things in terms of when lightning's in the area that the public can do to help us be ready? Um, just to have themselves be ready. So if they're in an area where a strike were to take place and then there was a vegetation fire, just making sure that they've brushed off their emergency evacuation plan, loaded up their vehicles, and are prepared um, to leave their homes should they need to and have a plan in place for them and to prepare their property, make sure that they're, well, they should have, you know, addressed it prior to that, but, you know, doing defensible space and having that done, that's the way they can protect their property. And for us, um, we're looking at those weather patterns and we're seeing that lightning and thunder is coming to our area. And then what that means for us is staffing patterns. So they may hold all personnel on duty. They may hold a portion of personnel. They may staff an extra several dozers or staff all engines or whatever it is they determine um, necessary to 
make us more ready to respond with more resources. So, and that was the case in the last series. They had staffed additional dozers and additional engines and things like that. So they'll do a staffing pattern as far as the CAL FIRE component being prepared. Great. Um, and before we, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lop off some of the minor ones here, but um, I think we should spend a few minutes with equipment, which came in with 7% of the, the fire starts. So mowers, trimmers, generators each have their um, thing. And maybe I'll chip in some, but I want to let you go ahead. and um, A hammer and a post. So the ranch fire. So, yeah. I mean, just be cognizant of the of the fact that you might be starting a spark in some way. So whether it would be a hammer hitting a post into the ground, um, just make sure there's good clearance, make sure you have a hose, make sure you know that you're prepared to uh, stomp out a vegetation fire. You have a phone ready to call in case you were to start one. And then, you know, do things like don't mow um, weeds. Lawn mowers are for lawns. Um, and using weed eaters, just make sure you're removing rocks from the area that you're weed eating, um, things like that. Just anything that might spark a fire, and especially now, do it early in the day before 10 a.m. so that you're not doing these things in the heat of the day. And as you know, here in Mendocino County, we have those afternoon winds. During those windy times, it's not the time to be doing um, weed eating and mowing and things like that, that could potentially, if you get a start, it would make it hard to put it out quickly. Okay. Um, when I had, um, Albion fire on, I think one of their, uh, one of their rules of thumb was that, uh, if you're mowing and the tires aren't wet, then you need to stop. Um, uh, <laughs> and given how dry things are now, um, that probably is a good rule. I would um, say yes. Definitely. So, yeah, it's very key that we not start any start any fires. So, and I think um, like 95% of fires are start human caused, whether that be a structure into the vegetation. So, even a home fire, cooking fire, etc., can lead to a vegetation fire. Um, but yeah, making sure we're using mowers for mowing lawns and not for mowing weeds and fields and things like that, but even using tractors. And it's just things that we have to be cognizant of and make sure we have fire extinguishers. And we want you to do your vegetation management, but do it smart. Do it early in the day and make sure you're um, prepared in case you did have a start. Okay. So, with, with, with a little luck, hopefully we talked somebody out of starting a fire or gave them a little advice to keep keep one down. Um, Going to move on to sort of stepping through ready, set, go uh, and covering that because that's the other sort of big bucket is being ready. Um, and before I do that, I do a brief uh, a brief commercial for the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council and uh, in, in helping you with Ready Set Go. Um, so uh, we're going to uh, step through some of the information from from the Cal Fire website, uh, but also if you want to get in depth into these topics, um, the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council's website is firesafemendocino.org. 
firesafemendocino.org. And we're about to talk about um, defensible space and home hardening, but I want to point out to people that we have, um, so the top line on our website, uh, the first thing in the upper left is safeguard your home. And the first thing that pops down when you, when you, uh, when you point your arrow at that is our home hardening video series, uh, which is a great way to focus in on any of these things that you want to focus on it. Um, it's organized in order of priority. So when you click on it, uh, you're going to see first that the uh, top priority are your roofs and gutters for home hardening, because uh, that's the broadest area that you've got in your home that can catch sparks and, and embers uh, and catch your home on fire. And then from then we've got a short version of a video on what to do. If you just want to spend a few minutes and then go get some work done, you can watch the short version uh, about what to do with your roofs and gutters. Or um, if you want to have a little more in-depth knowledge about why you're doing it and, and uh, how it how it fits in the overall scheme, there's a long version. Uh, and we have the same thing for vents, for defensible space. So those are your top three priorities, roofs and gutters, vents, defensible space. And we'll get more into that um, coming up. Uh, followed by decks and fences and windows and eaves and siding. Um, so all of that information is there. And I also want to point out that if you need help with those things, another place to pay attention to on the website is the community program section. Uh, and there's two important ones on there at the moment. Uh, the first thing under community programs is the Mendocino Community Chipping Program. And we have, um, we have a lot of community chipper days going on right now. Uh, we have a lot more to offer this season. So it um, is a great way to kind of provide you a, if you, if you need a deadline, like I do sometimes to get your work done, uh, having a chipper day that you're scheduled to, uh, to come and tip, chip and get rid of your brush for you uh, is a great way to have a deadline for getting your home defensible space clearing done. Um, and what you'll see there is that you can go to chipperday.com backslash Mendocino and register your address for a chipper day. Um, and this is a little bit of a repeat, but uh, you know, when you put your address in, you're going to see one of two, one of two things will happen. It'll either tell you we've got a chipper day in your area coming up on June 14th. Do you want a reservation? And if so, you can make one. Uh, and if we don't, it will ask if you want to be put on the waiting list uh, and it's really important that you go ahead and get put on that waiting list uh, if you want help having having your 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 debris cleared away, uh, because the waiting list is what leads us to figure out where to plan the next day. Uh, so it also helps if you if you work with your neighbors. So if you want to have a community chipper day where uh, we come with the chipper uh, and help get your defensible space done in your neighborhood. If we see there's a pocket of five neighborhood neighbors in an area that are all waiting for a day, uh, that's going to tell us where the demand is and that's going to tell us where to send those resources. So by being organized uh, and getting your community together and showing an interest in getting work done, uh, we can help you with help you get that work done. Um, 
And before I get back to Trisha, the one other program I'm going to mention, uh, just below that is um, it's called Defensible Space Assistance for Income Eligible. Uh, and that's a program we trialed last year, and we literally just got some new funding to bring it back uh, to some extent this year. Um, that is for people who um, have... Uh, a lower income level, so they can't afford to pay for tree service or someone to come do work around their yard. Uh, and they're also either senior or handicapped. So we're looking for people who really need help getting their defensible space work done. Uh, and there's a simple application there. And we're trying to coordinate those two programs this year. So again, we're going to be looking for a couple of people in a particular area that look like they need defensible space help. Uh, and we're going to ideally go, go be able to give you that help and then um, coordinate that also with a community chipper day in the area. So the crew can go uh, clear off your roof, limb up your trees, clear out any uh, dangerous brush you have and put it in a brush pile that we will then be able to come by on a community chipper day. Um, somewhere in the near future and and get those chip, those piles taken care of as well. So two really important community wow. services that both focus on kind of the central aspects of having your home ready, getting your defensible space cleared and your home hardening done to the extent possible. Um, take advantage of them. Anyway, um, so that was a long enough ramble for me. Um, we're going to get back into ready, set, go. And the first chunk of that is to get set. So, and, you know, part of that is what we just touched on. Getting set means having your defensible space done uh, and having your home hardened to the extent possible. Um, but there's also an awful lot more to it. And Trisha, would you like to sort of, sort of step us through some of the, some of the keys of getting, getting ready? So um, I'm going to start with some resources. So readyforwildfire.org is a location where you can pretty much work through everything. Um, it gives you home hardening tips. It gives you defensible space, how to prepare an evacuation family plan, how to put together a go bag, pretty much anything that you would want to know um, or work through. Um, and get prepared for is on readyforwildfire.org. So that's a resource. Um, and then on the getting ready, um, I'd also encourage people to sign up for CAL FIRE news releases. And the easiest way to do that is just to Google CAL FIRE news releases, and then the lead option that shows up, you click into it and you complete the form with your information of where you want to receive CAL FIRE news releases and what units or counties you want to receive it from. So if you just want Mendocino County, you can choose just Mendocino County. Um, but say you want to know what's going on at your aunt's house in Sonoma County. And so you can select news releases for Sonoma, um, any county you want it throughout the state of California is available through those CAL FIRE news release signups. And like I said, the easiest way to get there is just to Google that. You can actually go to the site, but it's much more complicated. So I found that that's the easiest way to direct people is to Google 
Cal Fire news releases, and then sign up. Okay. And then I want to make sure that people sign up um, for text messaging through the county, through Mendocino County, through the Sheriff's OES with Nixle. So the easiest way to sign up for text messages is to open your message and like where the phone number would go, you type in 888-777. And then in the portion where you click down where you would put the message, you put the zip code of the town or city that you would like to get alerts for. So like if I wanted to get it for Willits, then I would enter the zip code here, 95490. And then hit send. And you can do that as many times as you want for as many zip codes as you would like to receive text messages for. Well, what if you don't have a cell phone and you don't do text messaging? Then you can go on to the Mendocino County Sheriff's website and sign up for alerts in multiple ways. You could sign up to get email alerts. You can sign up to get reverse 911 to your landline. You can sign up to get a phone call on your cell phone. So that allows different ways to get it. I personally like the Nixel and I sign up for the text messages and that is the quickest, easiest way I've found um, to get those alerts. Then also um, for Cal Fire Mendocino unit, um, we have social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So those incident updates that go out on the fires and all our news releases go out on the social media as well as our news release email list. So those are the ways to get information um, on fires. And a Nixel is only going to go out or an alert when there's imminent life threat. It's not just there's a spot over here, there's a vehicle fire over there. It's more um, for major events where people need to be alerted or evacuated. So that's the components of that. Um, but when you're doing the ready, part of being ready, as, as you talked about, is doing defensible space. So the bottom line is you're trying to keep the vegetation off your structure, which will in turn keep the flames off your structure. So you're removing debris so that embers can't take hold and start a fire and expose your structure to direct flame. So that's the goal, to keep the direct flame off of the structure by thinning and spacing vegetation around your home. So making sure that that long grass doesn't lead into that big bush, that leads into the other big bush, that leads into the tree, that touches your roof. So you're trying to break that chain. And it also works the other way. You don't want the fire exiting a structure, entering a tree, going into a bush, hitting the vegetation and taking off. So it's a two-pronged thing. You're keeping it from entering your home and you're keeping it from exiting your home and entering the wild land. So you're just looking at thinning and, and stopping that chain, you don't want it leading into your home. Um, and we've talked about home hardening and we've talked about defensible space and they have a lot of things in common. Um, commonality being the vegetation management for certain. Um, home hardening goes those extra steps, which like at my own home, I've implemented 
I don't have vegetation within five feet of my structure. Um, home hardening recommends down to bare mineral soil or gravel or concrete or anything that isn't flammable. So I've implemented that at my own home. I live in Lake County, um, very wildland fire prone, lived there the majority of my life. And my hope is, and, and the probability is that I'll be at work when there's a vegetation fire. And my goal is for my home to stand on its own while I'm at work and gone um, for a wildfire to pass by. So making sure that, and like, um, you want to start at the top of your house and then work your way down. And when you're thinking about preparedness of your property, think about what is the most important to you on your property and work from that out to your property line. That's my advice on that. Um, have a plan of if you need to leave your home a gathering point, if you were needing to leave your town and where you would go, or if you were needing to leave your county and where your family would go, where they would meet up, have multiple layers to your plan and exit strategy. The last I heard, you were kind of going over the, what I think is the new zone zero, which is the kind of uh, the advice to try to make sure there's essentially nothing flammable within the first five feet of, of your home uh, to the extent possible. Do you want to pick it up from there? Yeah. So I've made um, that, implemented that at my own home, um, the five feet um, of no vegetation around my personal residence. Um, in the hopes that if a fire were to come to my area in Lake County, it would be able to stand on its own without defense. Um, my defense is already in place, trimming trees, removing debris, keeping the property clean, um, and uh, maintaining no vegetation within five feet. Um, things like not having a wooden fence that touches my structure. Um, mine's metal within that five feet to make sure that, you know, the fence isn't leading from the neighbor's house onto my fence and into my structure, things like that, to make sure that my home, while I'm at work, um, can withstand a wildfire passing by um, and still be there, hopefully, when I get home. Great. Quick, quick break in commercial too. The, um, the thing that this was going to be about. So the most vulnerable part of the house is the roof. Uh, and if you're in a wild, so, you know, super key point is keeping it clean, uh, sealing off any gaps, keeping debris off the, uh, out of the valleys. Uh, basically, you don't want to have any friendly place for a spark to, to start something there. Um, if you do not have a class A fire safe roof, um, which is a little technical, but you can look that up on the internet. Uh, the program we're going to have a month from now is going to be about a FEMA-sponsored grant program that can help people in Mendocino uh, defer the majority of the cost of replacing their roof. Um, so it will be a grant that's going to be available uh, for people that are in high fire risk areas that don't have a fire safe roof currently. 
uh, and can pay up to 70% or 70% of a roof replacement cost. So a, a huge benefit for people in the community. And this is a little teaser for that before we move on, since roofs are so important. Uh, a month from now, so our, our uh, fourth Tuesday show in June uh, is going to be where we're going to roll out that program uh, on KZYX, so we'll have full details about it and where to sign up and how to sign up and all of that. Um, and so a little bit of teaser of, of some relief to come. Um, and with that, let's go back to getting ready. Um, so if people want to do an inspection on their own home, they could just Google LE, a CAL FIRE LE100A and it'll pop up with an image on the document. So that's a CAL FIRE LE-100A, and that'll walk them through what we're looking at when we do defensible space inspections of their homes. So within the 30 feet, we're looking at branches being removed within 10 feet of any chimney or pipe outlet. We're looking that the chimney has a spark arrestor on it. So we're looking at the removal of leaves, needles, and other vegetation on roofs, gutters, decks, porches, stairways, anything where embers might take hold and expose the structure for duration to flame and get the structure started on fire. Looking at removing all dead and dying trees around the structure within that 30 feet, shrubs, branches, anything that might be dry and conducive to embers starting a fire, um, removing any dead or dying grasses, um, separating, like I said, that vegetation from the bush, those different types of vegetation that would lead it into the house or lead it out of the house and into the vegetation, um, exposed wood piles. Your wood pile is dry and ready to burn, and that's why you have it, so you can put it in your fireplace. But it's also ready to burn for embers, and so you want to keep it out of, away from your structure. Um, if it's going to be close to your structure, make sure that it is completely enclosed and fire-resistant, like siding, build a little building for it, whatever. Um, but stacking it on your deck and under your deck and things like that, that's a spot where a fire can take hold. That firewood is ready and dry and wants to burn. So it's conducive to that. Then within that 30 to 100 feet, once again, you wanna still maintain um, those bushes, grasses and things like that. Um, separate tree canopy to keep it from moving from tree to tree, bush to bush, that type of thing. Um, and then have clearance around wood piles. So if they're outside and they're in that 30 to 100 foot space, um, that you make sure they have good 10 feet clearance around them down to bare mineral soil, um, as well as propane tanks. Don't surround your propane tanks with wooden lattice um, because that's going to expose that tank to heat and it's going to release the propane. If you have trees above it, um, you want to make sure and trim those trees 15 feet above because it's going to Instead of exploding, it's going to expel that gas. It, they're designed to do that. When the heat approaches, they expel. So a flame's going to come out of it. So keep the flames off that propane tank. So 10 feet of bare mineral soil, and then an additional 10 feet of managed vegetation around that is preferable. Um, let's see. 
stumps or logs that are embedded in the ground. Um, not only they, can they smolder and burn and be in the ground, they can also cause injury to us. Um, we might not realize and we step into something that's burning underground, things like that. Um, and also that's a place where um, the fire can hide and then pop out later um, after suppression efforts have been made and then start your structure on fire. Um, make sure your address is clearly visible um, so that we can locate your emergency and then it's visible in both ways. So if we were to drive past your address and we're addressing the fire and then you call 911, then we come back and we can see readily that we're at the right address, the fire has progressed there and, and be able to find the location. So if we can't find you, we can't help you. Yeah, I'm going to yes. a quick break and then sort of two-way uh, two thing. The benefit for clearing around your home is great for making sure your home is, is defendable from fire. Uh, so that when firefighters are in the area, if they see someplace that's clear and easy to defend, you've kind of created a second way that your home is more likely to survive. You've given fire less things to contact, and you've made your home more easy for people who are trying to help it. Um, a, a quick one that you just triggered there um, with the sort of delayed fire thing is there are a lot of cases where homes burn down long after the fire is gone. And a lot of times that's the case because some spark has gotten into the attic uh, or under the house and been smoldering there. So um, a, a important and fairly fairly relatively inexpensive. A lot of a lot of the things with home hardening are somewhat expensive retrofitting, uh, but to uh, replace your or go just cover over your your screen vents for your attic in your home with metal one eighth inch opening vents that will keep sparks out are a great way that if you're going to be away from your home when a wildfire happens, if you keep the sparks out, then that means there's nothing that's going to catch your home later while you're not there to defend it. Um, and we are running low on time. So I want to, at this point, um, there's tons we didn't get to in the ready, set, go, uh, preparing your disaster plan, et cetera. So let's just retouch on where those resources are, Tricia. If you could just um, tell people where that the couple of couple of key websites to go to look for to read through this themselves would be. Um, I'm going to just refer them to a single website, and that's readyforwildfire.org, and it has everything, and it walks you through all the ready, set, go. Okay, perfect. And I'm going to recap for people that. Um, Want some help with their projects or some video step through of the series, the firesafemendocino.org website um, also has a lot of great resources and more ways to find out about how to participate in our community programs or, as importantly, participate in your neighborhood fire safe council or start one if there isn't one uh, so that your neighborhood is working together uh, to get ready and to make sure that people need help have help. And with that, I think we're going to turn it back over uh, to Rich to take us out here. Thank you so much, Scott. Another informative program. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.